Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. And welcome to this edition of News in Focus, this special edition as we're going to focus on the National Day of Prayer. This Thursday is the National Day of Prayer, and Christians and people of faith across the country will be joining in praying for our country. And with me on the phone is two dear pastor friends of mine, Pastor Gary Click and Pastor Al Davis, and we're going to take you through the scriptures. We're also going to be in prayer, and uh, we're going to intercede for our nation right now. You know, when we look at what is happening right now in our country, it is truly a confusing time for the believer. In fact, I'd like to read to you from Luke's Gospel, chapter 18, and verse 1, when Jesus spoke this parable. He said unto them that men ought always to pray and not to faint. There was in a city a judge which feared not God, neither regarded man, and there was a widow in that city. And she came unto him, saying, Avenge me of my adversary. And he would not for a while, but afterward he said within himself, Though I fear not God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubleth me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming to me she weary me. And Jesus said, Hear what is being said, hear what the unjust judge said, and shall not God avenge his own elect, which cry day and night unto him, though he bear long with them. In other words, the Lord is going to hear our prayers as we prevail in prayer. Second Chronicles 7.14, If my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. I want you to join with me in a prayer as we open, and we're going to have a season of prayer, but let's now go before the throne asking for God's mercy. Our Father and our God, we thank you for the grace that we have in Christ. We thank you, Lord, as we pray for our nation that was founded upon godly principles so many years ago. Men and women of faith, who with that faith and determination of that liberty that they enjoyed, for where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Born out of the Great Awakening, our revolution of this great country, which was a born in a spirit of freedom. And Father, all these years, if we would obey your voice and hear your commands, then you would bless us. But like Israel, when they turned away and did that which was evil in your sight, so, Lord, our nation faced trouble and trials throughout its its history. But the people have turned and returned to you, and at those times you blessed again. Father, we are at a time in which the people have turned to wickedness. They have turned to a great evil within the land. And we pray, God, that your church would rise up and pray and intercede, even as Abraham prayed and interceded for Sodom and Gomorrah and for Lot and his family that were there within that wicked city. May we intercede as well, Lord, even as Job intercede for his children day and night. Father, we pray that we would get hold of the horns of the altar in heaven and pray and intercede for America at this time. Lord, we have leaders that have departed from you. 
that do not recognize your ways, but turn unto evil, just as in the days of the kings of Israel, when there were kings that were righteous and turned towards the Lord Jehovah. And yet then there were kings who turned towards evil and did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord. We pray, God, that we would be a people that would return to you, confessing our sin and turning on to you, God, that you might give us mercy and grace. We give this to you, Father, in Christ's name. Amen. With me on the phone is Pastor Al Davis of Richfield Bible Baptist Church. Pastor, you have a scripture to share. Yes, Chris, and thank you for allowing me to be on with you today. And and as we think about the National Day of Prayer, you know, the Bible has much to say about praying for uh, various uh, things, and, and certainly our nation and our nation's leaders uh, are not left out. Uh, Paul wrote in 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1, he said, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come unto the knowledge of the truth. And he makes it very clear there. We're to pray for our nation's leaders, aren't we? For kings and for all that are in authority. And that's it. We can lead a quiet and peaceable life to do the work that God's called us to do. Well, that's right. And the Apostle Paul was to say, praying for the emperor. You know, when we think about the Roman emperor at the time, certainly he persecuted Christians and he persecuted the Jews and the righteous. Well, we're to pray for those who persecute us. That's what Jesus said. With us on the phone also is, is uh, Pastor Gary Click, who also serves as state representative from his district and down at the State House, and he's calling today. He's on the line from the State House. Pastor, welcome to the program. Well, God bless you, uh, Brother Chris. It's, it's just an honor and a privilege to be on with you and with Pastor Al, two great men of God. Thank you for inviting me. Well, thank you, brother. What's the verse that you have today to share? Well, well, Brother Chris, uh, God changed my, my mind here in just a moment. I was going to go with James 5.16, where it tells us the effectual, fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. But even while we were on the phone here, God just led me to Luke chapter 11 and verse 1, where it says, And it came to pass that as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. And as I was thinking about that scripture, I thought there's two things there. Uh, we, we know that that comes just ahead of the uh, model prayer or the Lord's Prayer, as we like to call it. But there's two things. So teach us how to pray, but also teach us that we ought to pray. And uh, sometimes it's those circumstances in our lives that drive us to our knees in prayer. And, and we need to be reminded that all of our failures are prayer failures. And whenever we fail to pray, it's almost like praying to fail, and probably the weakest spot, I would say, in many Christians' lives, including my own, is that habit of prayer. So I'm grateful that we have a day designated to remind us of the power of prayer, but really prayer ought to be such a vital part of our lives, not just daily, but multiple times daily and throughout the day. We ought to be praying without ceasing, as the Scripture teaches us. Amen, brother. You know, there's no revival that's ever been stirred among the people that hasn't been preceded in prayer. Right. 
And that's what we need to do as God's people is to pray and to intercede and to seek his face. You know, to pray is to believe that God is listening. And when we get on our knees and we begin to talk to him and to have that conversation, wonderful things can happen. Isn't that right, Pastor? Well, it is. And, And I think that when we fail to pray, it's like we're telling God, I got this. I don't need you. You know, I can handle it on my own. And that's when God says, oh, really? Uh, and it's just a reminder to us that we are not independent, but we are super dependent upon our Father in Heaven, and, and we need Him. And, and, you know, sometimes, and I get caught that way myself sometimes. I think, oh, I got this. I know how to handle this. I know what I'm doing. And that's when God looks at me and says, oh, okay, well, you have at it. And then I realize, no, I better fall to my knees in prayer. I, I need to be reminded about prayer. I'm only human just like you and Master Al and everyone listening. But we, we cannot forget the power of prayer in our lives. It makes such a huge difference. And rising up a great while before day, he went out and into a solitary place and there prayed. Mm-hmm. Mark one thirty five, showing the pattern of Jesus every day yeah. before he had a full day of ministry of healing and and ministering to people, and before he fed the 5,000, he would get up before the sun even came up, and he would pray and intercede and talk to his Heavenly Father. How much more should we, yeah. Pastor Al? Your thoughts? Oh, you're absolutely right, Chris. And, and again, uh, with what uh, Brother uh, Click had uh, to say about prayer there, it is so often neglected, yet it is the most one of the most powerful weapons that we have. You know, it's uh, uh, it's one of the weapons that we wield as a believer. In fact, in Ephesians chapter six, it's listed. Prayer is often overlooked. It's it's listed as part of the armor of God, and people are familiar mm. with the armor of God, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, uh, and things like that. But as you read that passage. The the passage continues after talking about taking up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. In verse 18, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And, and so prayer is how we wield oftentimes the armor that's listed there for us. And yeah. it's the battle that we're to engage in, the spiritual battle that's around us that Paul's talking about here in Ephesians 6. Mm. And our primary weapon really is prayer, praying for each other, praying for our nation, uh, praying, confessing our faults and our shortcomings and asking for God's help. And as we do that, the Spirit of God itself, the Bible says, intercedes for us with groanings that can, which cannot be uttered. And uh, such a valuable tool, such a valuable weapon. And yet, too often, it sits neglected, just waiting for us to pick it up. You know, I saw a statistic the other day that a lot of our young people are confused and in depression right now, and are, and some of them are even suicidal in their thoughts. There's a great evil that's working against our young people. When we think about the youth, it's such the blessing, the babies that God blesses us with in a family and the young people in our lives. Pastor Click, you have a bill at the State House called the Ohio Safe Act. It's to safeguard children against the perversion and the confusion of our time when there are those trying to push on children that they may not be a boy or a girl as they were born with, as God's identity when they were born. I'd ask you to pray for our young people at this time, and thank you for the work you're doing on this legislation and for our families and for our children, and I ask you to pray for our young people. Well, thank you for that opportunity. Lord Jesus, we come to you right now 
Uh, Lord, in, in the name of Jesus, we come to the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit. And Lord, we come humbly and we come hungry for a, a, a word from heaven. Lord, we think about the young people today. You said, suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for such is the kingdom of heaven. God, we know that you love the little ones. And Lord, we know that uh, as they are young, they are susceptible to many advices and to many things that draw on them. Many of our young people are hurting today. There's so much that's missing in their lives. There's so many voids that are there. And Lord, we know that, that there are attempts to, to corrupt them and to draw them out and to pull them into diverse directions. And Lord, we just know that you have the answer for every child. Lord, you not only have the answer, but you are the answer. And Lord, we know they're pulled away by social media, they're pulled away by entertainment and by industry and so many other things that there's that God-shaped hole in their heart, Lord, that's being filled and stopped with so many other things that just don't settle, that they don't fit, uh, they're not right, and, and children are hungry. And Lord, I pray that you would just reveal yourself to them, Lord, that you would give us power, Lord, in our children's ministries, in our Sunday schools, our Wednesday night programs, and Lord, in our Christian schools, in every single way where we can reach out to young people and let them know that God loves them. Mm. Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen. Uh, Lord, help us to communicate that message. May your Spirit fill the, them, these young people, and those that minister to them today. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Thank you, Pastor. You know, I was talking to a pastor friend that's been a faithful in the ministry for 40 years, and him and his wife are getting ready to retire the ministry, the church they're in currently. Of course, he's not retiring from the ministry. He said, well, I'm going to be spending a lot of time with my grandchildren, and uh, mm. they have something like 20-some grandchildren. They had a lot of wow. children. They have a lot of grandchildren. And he says, I want to make sure that they're on the right path to Jesus and to serving God. Amen. So, so folks, I know you're listening. I know you have a heart for your children. Uh, pray and intercede for your children. God hears those prayers. Pastor Al, I'm going to ask you to pray for those who serve us in public office, which Pastor Gary is one of them as a state representative, but also our president, our governor, our our congressman, our state, uh, our senators, our uh, state representatives and state senators. Would you lead us in a word of prayer for those who serve us in public office? Yes, thanks, Chris. And again, as we think of what the Bible says about praying for all that are in authority, kings are all that are in authority. That's our it's our responsibility. It's, it's not just a, a an add-on. Uh, we pray at our church every week for our government and our government officials, as all, all of us should be doing, especially on this National Day of Prayer. So let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, as we think about the blessings that you've given us, and we think about the freedoms that we have in our country, and in, in many ways what we see in our nation in the United States of America is an aberration in human history to have the freedom of religion and to have the uh, opportunities that we have to be able to do the work that you've given us to do fr uh, freely. Lord, we just want to thank you so much, but we know that those freedoms have not come easily. It's been the sacrifice of many of our forefathers who have been willing to go to arms in order to preserve our freedoms, to sacrifice their lives and their, their fortunes, and, and oftentimes uh, everything that was dear to them because they, they served a higher cause. Lord, help us to think of that today. The cause that we serve is greater 
than any political cause, greater than any social cause. And we serve the cause of the cross, the cross of Christ. So, Father, as we pray for those that are in leadership over us, Lord, we just ask that you would that you would open the eyes of those that uh, need to see. And, Lord, we do pray for President Joe Biden today. We pray that you would bring understanding to his heart, that yes, you would Lord. bring clarity to his mm-hmm. mind and that you would help him to hear and see and understand a clear presentation of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, that he might be saved. What a blessing that would be to see that man come to Christ, and that you could turn the hearts of the kings, like you say in your word, that we could see him begin to make a difference, to be a force for good in that office. And not just him. We think of Governor DeWine, and we think of our state representatives, our state senators, our U.S. representatives, our U.S. senators. And we think of those that are in our courts, our judges and our uh, Supreme Court justices, both in the state of Ohio and in the U.S. Supreme Court. And we think of all of those across this nation, the uh, the county commissioners and trustees, the the uh, civic leaders in our communities across this nation, the mayors, the township trustees, the council members, the various people that make this country what it is. Lord, we just pray that you would just speak to their hearts, Lord. Help them to see that the greater cause that they serve should be you and not self. Father, we just pray that you would raise up godly individuals into positions of power and influence throughout our nation, from that local through that state and federal levels, Lord, that we might be able to see the uh, the benefit of a nation that, that lifts up and upholds God and his word, and that we might be able to see the benefits of God blessing our nation as we seek to do your work. Lord, so today we do pray, as the Bible says, and we come to you lifting up our leaders, making supplication for them, praying for them, interceding for them, and giving thanks, Lord, that you've given us the opportunity to do so. We pray for kings and for all that are in authority, as the Bible says, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. We desire the blessings that we have in a nation that loves God and honors God. And we know that this is good and acceptable in your sight, because that's what you said in your word. Amen. Give us that opportunity to be able to serve you better. So, Father, we do pray for our nation today. We pray for our nation's leaders. We pray that you would just turn their hearts, help them to look to you and to your word for guidance and direction. Raise up godly individuals. Raise up Christians that are willing, like Pastor Click, to be able to get involved in the political arena. And like uh, Chris Long, who's willing to sacrifice his time and energy to help defend our freedoms. And we just pray that you raise up countless others in the battle that's before us, that we can live that quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty, so that we can be busy about the work of reaching a, a lost world with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you on this National Day of Prayer that we can do this, and we continue to pray each day and every day. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 2 Corinthians 10.4, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. The National Day of Prayer is this Thursday. We ask that you join with us in prayer as you have this past half hour. I want to thank Pastor Allen, Pastor Gary, and we're going to close you out with God Bless America. God.
You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, President of the Ohio Christian Alliance. To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio. Be afraid. Be very afraid. There are those in Washington who want the IRS to take more of your hard-earned money. 
Are you tired of being the perpetual cash cow for every scheme, unreasonable program, and for all the fraud, waste, and abuse in our system? Well, good news. I can help. George Satari has almost 40 years of experience helping people like you keep more of what you make. It makes no sense that the more you make, the more they take. Let George help you keep your money away from the government bureaucratic waste and in your pocket. Call 216-651-1120 right now and schedule your free consultation today. Instead of a victim, you'll You'll be be the the victor. victor. With many success stories, George helps with tax planning, estate planning, financial and business analysis, and more. The new tax law has many ways to save money with retirement planning, accelerated depreciation, up to 20% exception of net earnings, and so much more. Call 216-651-1120. That's 216-651-1120. You earn it, we'll help you keep it. That's George Satari, CPA, 216-651-1120. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part-time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helped shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit nationalguard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. The following is a previously aired broadcast. Welcome to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. Stay tuned for an analysis and conversation about the issues that matter most to you and your family. Here now with this week's edition of News in Focus is Chris Long. Well, we have a State House update for you in this segment, and there was breaking news this afternoon. We were all anticipating that Speaker Jason Stevens would have put HJR 1, the 60% threshold increase for constitutional amendment changes, uh, on the floor for a vote. Uh, thousands of calls have been going into the State House and to state representatives and uh, to Speaker Stevens' office. We, we have confirmation of that emails, phone calls, uh, urging him to put H.J.R. 1 on the floor for a vote. Well, unfortunately, the Speaker has canceled, let me repeat that, canceled the session for Wednesday of this week. And that was the only session day uh, that was scheduled, and he has canceled that. That means that next Wednesday, May 10th, is the drop-dead deadline. If Speaker Jason Stevens the Republican who was elected by a majority of Democrats, that's never happened before, uh, to anyone's recall in our state's history, a majority of Democrats elected this man, only 22 Republicans, 32 Democrats, and the guarantee he gave them that that, that this 60% threshold would not be on the ballot in uh, August, uh, preventing them from passing their all-out, terrible abortion, on-demand bill 
uh, in November. That's what they want. They're circulating signatures right now. And by the way, beware. Uh, do not sign that petition. If you are pro-life, do not sign that petition. Urge your family members to not sign that petition because that would give them the signatures they need to get on the ballot. They have to have those by July 5th, something like 415,000 signatures. Uh, they're probably shooting for a million signatures because a number of signatures get thrown out. Uh, and then if they secure enough, they'll be on the November ballot in a simple majority vote. And I'm telling you, folks, listen, this is the pro-life battle of our time. And if you care, if you care about the, 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 the unborn and you care about pro-life, you want to get involved in this fight. So you want to call Speaker Stevens because now the time is urgent uh, because next week, is the deadline on May 10th, that's a Wednesday. He could do it on the 9th, the Tuesday, or Wednesday the 10th to put it on the floor for a vote. We have the 60 signatures that have committed of the state representatives who said that they would vote for it, so you need to call 614-466-1366. Again, that's 614-466-1366, urging Stevens, Jason Stevens, the Speaker of the House, to put HGR1 on the floor for a vote. That's the 60% threshold uh, vote. And we need to get that on the August ballot, and then we safeguard our state constitution. They can't get over 60% in this state, so that's what we need you to do. Well, I we're going to ha- listen to the interview that I conducted with Greg Lawson last week. He's going to give us a state state house update on the budget. And we're going to go to that discussion with Greg Lawson. But again, call Speaker Stevens at 614-466-1366 and urge him to put HJR1 on the floor for a vote. So, again, this is critical for the pro-life cause in Ohio. You don't want to uh, just sit on your hands on this one, folks. You want to get involved. We need you to call. So, again, that's uh, calling Speaker Stevens and then... Uh, urging uh, also you can go to our website at Ohio Christian Alliance that's ohioca.org all the information is there that's the call to action now let's listen to this interview with our good friend Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute really we've lived under the gun for too many years now with the state constitution being at risk anytime somebody comes in with a big checkbook and wants to uh basically amend our state constitution not just change a law in Ohio, folks, but change the Constitution. Greg, I know you have some thoughts along those lines. Your thoughts? Sure. Uh, look, the, the Constitution is the core document uh, for the state of Ohio. Uh, it's the skeleton upon which you kind of build everything else out. Um, there's a lot of ways that people can influence how we do statutes. Obviously, you know, you like legislators to do it. You come and testify to the legislature, talk to members of the General Assembly in both the House and Senate. Uh, there's also processes in place where you can do initiated statutes in the state of Ohio, where you can put things on the ballot directly right now and modify the Ohio Revised Code, which is the Book of Laws. But I think the issue that we are seeing, we've seen a lot over the years. And look, the Buckeye Institute has come out previously. There were there were efforts years ago to, to do some modifications to the Constitution, to protect the Constitution. Uh, and we were for it then because it was very evident uh, that the Constitution was being frequently hijacked uh, by special interests. And this is an issue that uh, goes across many different uh, policy areas. Uh, you know, we... 
we ended up with uh, gambling, you know, casinos in Ohio. That's put in the Constitution. As a matter of fact, they literally put the longitude and latitude and the plots of land of the different casinos in the state of Ohio are literally put into the Constitution. Not not revised code, but the Constitution. And I'm sure you'll remember this, Chris. Back in the day, they actually had to run a second statewide uh, issue uh, to change the Constitution a second time because they wanted to move the location of the one in Columbus uh, to a different geographic location. So they had to run an entire statewide campaign to change the direct or the exact location of a casino in the Constitution. That's the kind of stuff that shouldn't be in the Constitution. It shouldn't be littering the Constitution. Obviously, we have uh, you know a lot of hot issues down there at the State House and concerns about what's going to be on the ballot this November, but I'll tell you, too, there's other issues that are coming down the pike. There's a big uh, minimum wage push coming from a lot of uh, unions to push to increase the minimum wage dramatically here in Ohio, which will actually hurt uh, small businesses across the state. We'll have plenty of time to talk about that. They're looking to maybe do that in, in next November, of November of 2024, I should say, not, not this one, but next year. But again, these are things that shouldn't be put in the Constitution. These are things that should be dealt with uh, through the statute. Elect members, kick them out of office if you don't like them, or if you really want to, go and do some of these initiated statutes. But don't let a bunch of special interests from outside Ohio uh, come in and do it. We don't want to turn into California, and that is what, quite frankly, is at risk uh, right now is that uh, anybody with a big enough checkbook can come in, change things, and before you know it, uh, we're going to be like California. And if you look at what's happening out there, people are leaving the state. They're going to freer states because they don't like all the stuff that gets uh, put in and layered on top of itself in the Constitution out there. We shouldn't aspire to that. Well, that's right. We're talking with Greg Lawson of the Buckeye Institute. He is the senior analyst with the Buckeye Institute in Columbus, Ohio. It is a uh, policy think tank, and uh, they weigh in on public policy at the state of Ohio. They're actually a go-to organization as far as research is concerned when uh, public policy is being considered. And, of course, uh, this week, of course, in the Ohio State House is the budget, and so many things are in the budget. There are proposals for uh, expanding educational choice options in Ohio. Now, of course, the backpack bill, of which we support, there was a version in the Ohio Senate. Sandy O'Brien was on this program earlier this year uh, talking about her bill that uh, is in committee, in the Education Committee in the Senate. Uh, it would be educational choice for every Ohio school child, meaning public school, private school, uh, that you would basically choose the school you would go to and you would get the voucher of the expense of that year's school for the child would be able to be applied to a certified school in the state of Ohio. And that's really school choice. That's universal school choices, I think, as she termed it. Uh, there's a similar measure in the Ohio House, uh, but uh, basically I think that an amended version of that is being considered as part of the budget. Uh, Greg, tell us about what's happening with Ed Choice and what could we possibly expect in this budget. Sure. Uh, well, the first thing is the budget is going to be clearing the House tomorrow. It passed out of the Finance Committee just a few hours ago today, which means it's expected to be on the floor tomorrow, Wednesday. Uh, I expect it'll, it'll, it'll pass, and then it will go to the Senate. They've already started having some initial hearings in the Senate, uh, but of course, uh, once they get the House version of the bill, it kind of kicks into the next uh, kind of into overdrive over in the Senate. Uh, what we're going to see is the House did a good thing. 
the House built upon a proposal that the governor put into the budget initially, which is to increase the income eligibility uh, for Ed Choice recipients. Right now, in the current law, it's 250% of the federal poverty guidelines. So what uh, the governor did, and we were, were happy that he did this, was to increase that or propose to increase that to 400% of the federal poverty guidelines. And then uh, what the House has recently done is actually increase that again uh, by another 50%. So they've gone up to 450%. And so just to kind of put this into a little bit of a, of a, of a perspective here, uh, if you have a household of four individuals in a household here in 2023, uh, that'd be 400% uh, is up to a total of 120000 So the 100% guideline is $30,000 uh, for a household of four. So it'd be four times that. And so that will greatly increase the number of families, uh, not super, super wealthy families, by the way, just, you know, a lot of middle class families and a good hardworking families, a lot of blue collar families, a lot of families that have teachers or nurses uh, or plumbers or what have you that are in their household actually fall well above what the current guidelines are for Ed Choice. So this in, this increase is a very, very good thing. However, uh, while we want to applaud the House for the steps they've taken, such as it is, uh, we think that there's a critical opportunity here to go far uh, further than that, and we certainly are hopeful that the Senate will move forward. Uh, you had San Senator Sandy O'Brien on. We echo a lot of the things that Senator O'Brien was saying. We think now is the time to where you can actually, frankly, eliminate these income guidelines and make the Ed Choice Scholarship universally available to families that want it. And there's several reasons why that should happen, and it should happen now. First of all, We've got the funding to do it. Ohio is in a very good position fiscally. As a result, unfortunately, it happened because of all the terrible things that happened with COVID, but we have an incredible amount of revenue surplus here in the state of Ohio, billions of dollars of extra money. In fact, it's so much money that the House is struggling to find ways to spend all that money. Um, so it's really the cup runneth over on revenues. If there was ever a time when we could do something to afford, uh, afford to do something big with enhancing school choice options for every family here in the state of Ohio, uh, this is the time to do it. We have funding that's able to do that. We also have funding that can allow us to do tax reform, which will help make Ohio a more competitive place economically and for job growth, a uh, more attractive place for people to come and move. And we think those are the two things that the Senate should really spend its time focusing on when they get the House version of the budget is working on, on more tax reform and working to make sure that every family and uh, every community is able to take advantage of maximum school choice options. Well, very good. We're again. We're talking with Greg Lawson. He's a research fellow at the Buckeye Institute. The Buckeye Institute can be found uh, just really good search that buckeyeinstitute.org uh, and find the fine work that they do conservatively on public policy here in the state of Ohio. Uh, Greg, as we talked about educational choice with a large expansion with Governor DeWine, although it is short of uh, what we're talking about is universal school choice, what we see in other states with the backpack bill, uh, which would basically say that every student in the state of Ohio uh, that's going to public schools would be able to apply for uh, the voucher, take it with them to the school of their choice, uh, whether that's a, um, you know, one of the uh, Christian school, public school, private school, they would be able to, to choose their school, and it would be a full-out school choice. Obviously, the uh, teachers' union is uh, against that. I'm sure that they're 
uh, wringing their hands about this large increase. Uh, I would applaud that as well with you. I agree that raising the eligibility to 450% above the poverty level and a lot more Ohioans will have access to educational choice in the state of Ohio. But it is coming up short of what we would term a backpack bill or universal educational choice. Your thoughts on that? Well, it does. And, and you know, there's a lot of things that we need to do to uh, really get money to fully follow the students to go in that backpack. Um, you know, the first one of the things that I think we really want to see is we want to see the eligibility expanded and, and to be able to make it universally available. Uh, in the long run, uh, we want to see things like education savings accounts, which are actually sort of an addition to it sort of builds on vouchers and it even goes beyond what vouchers do uh, because it allows families to be able to choose amongst a whole bunch of different education options as opposed to just being able to, you know, you get this and you usually use that for tuition oftentimes to private schools, which is a very, very good thing, by the way. We really are huge fans of the Ed Choice program and have been ever since the beginning of the program in the mid-2000s. And even before that, the Cleveland Scholarship, as you remember, was the first voucher here in the state of Ohio and one of the first ones nationally. Uh, so it's a very important uh, program. But uh, we are seeing some other states do some incredibly innovative things. Uh, we're seeing states go to Universal. Uh, we've seen states like Arizona do this. Iowa has recently done this. Florida is, is doing this as well. Um, that's why we think it's so important for Ohio to act now, uh, at least with the Ed Choice program, and make it universally available because uh, Ohio was a leader in school choice for a long time. In fact, we are the state that had the, uh, the initial case that went all the way to the U.S. Supreme Court that uh, validated that uh, vouchers were constitutional across the whole country. It was a case that, uh, regarding the Cleveland Scholarship Program. Our first uh, voucher program in Ohio came right here. It was hugely important uh, for everything that we've seen happen across the country. So we've, we've been a great leader in Ohio, in Ohio over the past, uh, for decades now, or at least several decades. But we are running the risk, if we don't move forward and go big right now, of falling behind the states that I mentioned earlier. Again, a state like Arizona, Iowa, Florida, these are states that are going big, uh, very bold, and very big. We have the funding available to do that now in Ohio. Like I said, with those big revenue surpluses, uh, which basically means we've just taken in way more money for a whole host of economic reasons, uh, more than we would usually do. And, and not all of it's going to be around in the future. Some of this is going to be one-time funding. But this gives us the opportunity to do something different and bigger. And um, I just would, would say one other thing, which is uh, not only do we have the revenue to do it, not only is it the right thing to do, not only does it keep us up with other states, but importantly, as you well know, Chris, we have seen incredible learning loss in the wake of the school closures and during the COVID pandemic. Uh, and, and so school choice gives families an ability to be able to get the right fit for their students. And as you all also know, you may have three kids in your household. Two of them are going to go to the district school like they always have. Maybe one doesn't because they need something a little bit different that meets their needs. And that's what universal school choice means. That's what it could mean if we get rid of the um, uh, the poverty guideline requirements for eligibility is that we can have families do that and close some of these learning gaps that have emerged uh, here in Ohio and nationally too, but but we need to do it for, for our little Buckeyes. We need to get them going. We need to improve this situation and make sure that they uh, aren't stuck in a situation where they're behind for an entire rest of their life because this can have some really terrible effects for people's if, if they don't get these uh, learning loss uh, gaps closed uh, that really emerged in the wake of COVID. So there's so many reasons to do this and to do it now 
because there's a golden opportunity and it's it's unlikely uh, that we're going to have such a good moment uh, happen again in, in the future, anytime in the near future. And parents are choosing uh, private school, pub, uh, which is basically Christian schools, uh, whether Catholic or Protestant schools, or classical education uh, that basically teaches the three R's and not the radical uh, woke agenda that's currently in uh, the public schools in which uh, parents are learning that their uh, minor children are being um, uh, talk about transitioning their sex and uh, LGBTQ radical agenda and sexualizing our children. This is what parents are concerned about, and it's the public education with the Radical Teachers Union, the NEA. Lots of older teachers, they don't recognize the teachers union they once advocated for, and they're like, what in the world is going on? Because really a Marxist doctrine of really uh, socializing our children uh, to a very leftist worldview is being pushed in the public schools. Parents want options, and they want out, uh, and that's why school choice is so important. You know, there's another uh, bill in the Ohio Senate called Senate Bill 83, and you and I have talked about this before, and I know I've talked to some Ohioans. You've been on the calls as well that are concerned about what higher education, our colleges and universities, are pushing on our students when we, we do get them through high school. We send them on to higher education for the degrees, and they're being socialized. They're being really propagandized in uh, higher education in the colleges and universities by Marxists, leftists, communists, and, uh, you know, people, Ohioans who work every day for a living, pay their taxes and see a portion of their tax money going to support higher education, and they're saying, wait a second, this is anti-American dogma, this is not the principles I stand for, or of the American principles, what's going on at the university? They're making... uh, uh, my student, you know, my uh, 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 child into some kind of little Marxist uh, uh, radical that, uh, you know, is going to be part of Antifa or BLM or something like that. So there's a bill out there that uh, is sponsored in the Ohio Senate, House Bill 83. It had hearings last week, and the political left showed up because they know what they're doing at these higher education, uh, basically these universities and colleges, and they don't want uh, they're to be pushed back by the Ohio taxpayer. Your thoughts about that? Well, well, absolutely. Well, actually, we testified. I testified personally in front of that committee last week. There was uh, over 100 people who testified. Uh, there were there was a previous hearing with several uh, proponents to come out, uh, but I, I I was there along with a uh, sitting House member actually, uh, a new freshman legislator, Josh Williams. Uh, came in and he actually gave uh, firsthand, very stirring uh, testimony, firsthand account of some of the things that he uh, confronted at the University of Toledo Law School. He's an African American uh, attorney now, but he went to law school and, and confronted some of the things that you were talking about from an indoctrination standpoint. But he's an African American, he's a Republican uh, uh, legislator now, and he took time out of his day to go testify in the other chamber on a bill that wasn't even his bill. God bless uh, so him. I really. If, him a round of applause, but we I testified in front of that committee. Uh, the important thing is there's a lot of things in Senability 3. It's a very big bill that has a lot of different moving pieces, but here's the bottom line. Uh, we need accountability. Uh, we need to make sure the universities are places where there is true freedom of speech, freedom of thought. We don't want uh, these uh, institutions to become uh, factories of, of not only indoctrination and groupthink, but the other important thing is there are, of course, Many of these are public universities. They're funded and subsidized, largely subsidized, by taxpayer dollars. So it is reasonable uh, for the state legislature to put some guidelines on here, guidelines to ensure that uh, people are able to speak and speak freely. 
And there's a lot of hype out there about what this bill does. A lot of it is just gaslighting by people who don't actually want uh, to, to support free speech or, frankly, people who have been misled about what the, is actually in the legislation. You find this happens an awful lot these days where people will come out and droves testify against something, and they actually don't really know what's in the bill. They just know what they've been told by somebody else. That's right. There's a little disillusion there. But this package is a very smart package. It has a lot of good reforms in there. Uh, it also uh, helps to, to uh, uh, empower, uh, uh, I think, uh, folks who believe in keeping an intellectually diverse environment in our universities and making sure that we're able to produce. You know, it's obviously about the search for wisdom, the search for being able to think for yourself. Uh, but another important thing is we, we need to be able to have universities that can help get people ready for the workforce. We have a lot of workforce challenges here in Ohio. And uh, you and I have talked about that over the years. These are serious, long-standing issues, and uh, we need universities to be able to be responsive to those things, too. And I think there's some provisions in the legislation that helps make sure that universities can help, uh, you know, zero in and focus on those kind of things, too, rather than getting hung up in whatever the political controversy du jour is, uh, because that's not what uh, these places are going to be. I think there's a lot to be spoken for it. you know, and again, uh, I think I hope people will take the time to actually read it. I'm sure there'll be a few modifications to the to the bill. There always are uh, as it goes through the process. But uh, I think I encourage people to actually read it and have a better understanding of what's actually in there uh, before they go off and uh, raise some of the issues that they have been kind of spouting off about. Absolutely. In the Army National Guard, soldiers serve part time and close to home. My community means everything to me. It helps shape me into who I am today and is where I choose to raise my own family. That's why I joined the Army National Guard. I'm proud of where I'm from. And as a soldier, I get to give back to the people that helped me succeed. The education benefits I got from serving helped me get my degree and jumpstart my career. The training and leadership skills I've gained from the Army National Guard help me every day when I teach young people, help my neighbors, and look out for my community. I know that when my neighbors need us the most, my fellow soldiers and I will be ready. My family loves it here, and my part-time service means we get to stay here. Serve part-time in the community you live in as a proud member of the Army National Guard. Talk to your local recruiter or visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Ohio Army National Guard. Aired by the Ohio Association of Broadcasters and this station. Well, Greg, thank you so much for this update from the State House, and I know we'll have you back on when the budget actually gets settled. I want to do a call to action again on uh, HGR1. We want you to call the Speaker. Uh, it's imperative that you do that, that he puts HGR1 on the floor. And let me give you the number again for uh, Speaker Jason Stevens. That's 614 466 1366. You can just go to the Ohio Christian Alliance website for all the information. Uh, Click on the image of the speaker that's at the top of the page where it says call Speaker Jason Stevens and urge him to put HDR1 on the floor for a vote. Uh, Click on that. You can also send him an email and do that after hours. You can leave a message on the phone. Also send a message uh, by way of email. And again, uh, we hope to see this get on the August ballot and we'll be giving you education about that. Greg, thanks for being my guest today. Thank you very much. Always glad to be on. Absolutely, my good friend. And we'll have you back on to uh, give us an update as well as uh, things settle out with the budget. You have been listening to News in Focus with your host, Chris Long, president of the Ohio Christian Alliance. 
To learn more about the issues that matter most to you and your family, visit online at ohioca.org. That's ohioca.org. Thank you for listening. This program is sponsored by the Ohio Christian Alliance of Akron, Ohio.